It's Megan and Hillary, and this is More Booze, Please. And tonight's episode is kind of an extension of last night's episode. Yeah, it's what can happen to you if you don't use a Ouija board properly. Or, as you will see in our stories, what can happen to you even if you don't use a Ouija board at all. Possessions are probably the scariest thing in the world to me. It's really creepy that these things can happen or have happened before. It's pretty terrifying. Yeah. The Conjuring is the scariest movie I've ever seen in my entire life. And I walked out of the movie theater and I was just like frozen in fear for like 10 whole minutes. I couldn't even find my car. I was just standing there like barely surviving. You know, for The Conjuring, apparently they had to have like priests at some theaters really for like just in case anything happened and your reaction though is like a lot better than people's reactions to the exorcist in the in 1973 it was like record-breaking levels of people to just get up and walk out of a theater they were like so terrified yeah i think i read that medical teams also had to be set up at those showings to assist anyone who like got sick or had a panic attack I know I heard that, like, one lady even died because she was so scared of the movie. She had a heart attack. And I read that one lady, like, passed out and fell down and broke her jaw in the theater. But unfortunately, the acting wasn't the scariest part of the movie. And that's why it's our movie of the night. Yes. This movie was scary as hell for its time, and it's still pretty creepy. Have you seen it? Um, I have seen it in bits and pieces. I don't think I've fully watched it. I don't think I fully have sat through a through what have fully <laughs> sat through a scary movie. Like I, I just don't have the balls to do it. Same happening. How are you able to just talk about it then? What do you mean, like scary stuff? It intrigues me, but it intrigues me from afar. Like, (laughs) sometimes when I'm looking up this crap, I'm like, mm, I'm not going to sleep tonight. Like, when we talked about those kids at the camp or whatever, I literally kept thinking about freaking little children, like, haunting my apartment. I was terrified. Mm. (laughs) Well, The Exorcist was based on a true story, and the kid the movie is based off of is a he, not a she, Mm -hmm. but he doesn't remember any of the events that took place, and he's went on to live a pretty normal life, and he even worked and retired from NASA. Wow, that's crazy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I thought that was pretty cool. To tell you more about the movie itself, there was a fire that burnt down the movie set of the movie. It destroyed the house of the main character, Reagan, except her room, which oddly enough is where the exorcisms occurred. Because of the fire, the film was actually delayed for six weeks. 
and the actress that played Reagan's mom got hurt and had an injury while she was actually shooting. She was wearing a harness, and while she was wearing it, it had a random malfunction, and it pulled her up too quickly, causing her to land on her tailbone and caused a permanent spinal injury. In the scene where they were filming, you could hear like a loud yelp or almost like a scream, and that was like a real cry of pain, and they just left it in the movie because it was so realistic. Well, yeah. (laughs) Um, Linda Blair played Reagan in the film, and she had to portray mental breakdowns in a very intense manner. They believed she had to be in the frame of mind to be able to act it out. The breakdowns got to her so much, it is rumored that she started actually having mental breakdowns during the film. Also, fun fact about baby Megan like there's always a fun fact about baby Megan in these episodes when I was a kid I was such a fucking shithead such a fucking shithead my nickname was Linda Blair really (laughs) my mom would say okay Linda Blair I can see your head spinning around like all the time (laughs) because I was such a bad child and at one point my grandma was even like Shannon have you shaved her head yet And my mom was like, why would I shave her head? No. And my grandma was like, I really think we should shave her head so we can see if the 666 is engraved on it somewhere. They literally thought I was the worst kid ever. (laughs) I mean, I was bad. I was a really bad kid. But it just makes me laugh when, like, we're looking up The Exorcist and I'm like, oh, here we go. Linda Blair heard the same. (laughs) My mom still sometimes, if I'm, like, getting a little attitude, she's like, Linda. And I'm like, don't call me that. Listen, Linda. Anyways. Oh, yeah. Listen, Linda, listen. <laughs> the first time the film was screamed in Rome, it was at a theater located, like, in between two different churches. And on the day of the screening, there's a huge downpour of rain. And then there is a lightning storm that was, like, occurring nearby. And it was just really scary, like, all around, like, people waiting in line to get inside and you know back then you bought your tickets outside of the movie theater so everybody was just like standing around waiting to get in and there was a 400 year old cross um and it was like kind of outside in like a courtyard area where the theater was located and lightning struck the cross and it fell right in the middle of like everybody and yeah that's crazy because I I heard that something similar like happened on the first night that it was played in one area of the UK too there was a huge lightning strike and when the film was first released it was banned in every Middle Eastern country but Lebanon and then the re-release was banned there so yeah a lot of people are not having this Mm -hmm. Uh, several people died either while filming or after filming had concluded Jack McGowan Burke Dennings died of influenza after filming had concluded, but before the film released. Vasiliki Milleros also died of natural causes while the film was in post-production. What is interesting is both of their characters died in the movie. That's what led people to believe this film was cursed. Other deaths that occurred during the filming of The Exorcist include Lena Blair's grandfather and Max von Sido's brother, who died on Max's first day of shooting. Also while filming, the son of Jason Miller, who played Father Damon Karras, was nearly killed when a motorcycle hit him. And in 1987, so this was like, what, 14 years later, the actress Mercedes McCambridge, who played the demonic voice that you hear, 
was also like a victim as well when her son murdered his wife and children and then committed suicide. Jeez. Mm-hmm. It's insane. So, yeah, they think that all the people that either died or had people very close to them die, they think that it was because the set was cursed. Could have been. Mm-hmm. So I guess it's time for my story. Let's get to it. Yeah. It's really scary, actually. <laughs> um, I'm going to be talking about a really sad case. It's more sad than it is scary. Like, I'm sure if you were there, it'd be really, really scary, but... I don't know, it just made me, like, I just felt so bad for her. Mm -hmm. Her name was Annalise Michelle, and she grew up, and she was, like, a devout Catholic in Germany. And when she was 16, she was at school, and she just blacked out. And her friends and family said she walked around in, like, a trance, oblivious to everything around her. But according to Annalise, she doesn't remember this at all. As scary as it was... It happened a second time, and since it happened more than once, Annalise visited a neurologist who diagnosed her with temporal lobe epilepsy, and this is a disorder that can cause seizures, loss of memory, and in some cases you can experience like visual and auditory hallucinations. But in 1973, Annalise was on an epilepsy medication, and she felt she was like in control of her condition enough that she would be able to enroll in the university. But while at school, Annalise remained about Catholic and she prayed every day. And then as time went on, she would pray and she stated that she would often see the devil's face when she prayed. And then she said that she would hear demons telling her that she's going to rot in hell when she prayed. And so she went to see Dr. Luthi, who was her neurologist, and he did multiple brain scans but couldn't find anything wrong or nothing that could explain the episodes or the hallucinations that she was having when she was praying. So Dr. Luthi actually called Annalise to see a Jesuit. That's just a religious official of the Catholic Church, if you don't know. Annalise was unable to find help for a very long time, and as she waited for someone to be willing to accept her case, her condition became more severe. At this point, Annalise believed she was possessed, like, and that just blows my mind to, like, it's one thing to be like, oh my gosh, that person is possessed, but, like, to still be in control of yourself enough to, like, process what's happening to Mm -hmm. you, like... It had to be terrifying, and she sincerely believed that the devil was inside of her. She reportedly did 400 squats every day. She at one point crawled under a table and barked like a dog for 48 hours. She refused all, like, human food, but she ate spiders, she ate bugs, and she ate coal. She bit the head off of a dead bird, and she licked her own urine off of the floor. And by the time it was, like, around the 1960s, exorcisms were just very rare among Catholics. They were very rare just across the world. Like, they were very popular a long time ago, but then it was just less and less a thing that people did. But because of a rise in movies and books, such as The Exorcist, in the early 1970s, it just caused a huge renewed interest in the practice and it's interesting because if you remember this is the year 1973 
The Exorcist movie came out in 1973. Hmm. So this year, 1973, again, I'm going to say it three times in a row, an exorcism was finally granted for Annalise. But it was under the agreement or under the understanding that it had to be kept a total secret from, like, everybody else that it was happening. And it really just kind of made my blood boil that, like, it took a movie for this girl to get help. Like, obviously, she's been suffering for a long time, and she didn't get help from whatever was going on to her. Like, I don't know. It just made me really mad. And I just found it odd that we were also talking about The Exorcist as our Mm -hmm. movie. But 67 exorcisms were conducted on Annalise over the next 10 months of her life, some lasting for hours at a time. During this time, Annalise told them that she was possessed by six demons, Satan, Cain, who was known for killing his brother Abel, Judas, who was said to betray Jesus, Adolf Hitler, goes without saying, Nero, you probably know him also, he was just an awful person, he was an awful emperor. And then there was a disgraced priest, and his name was Fleshman. And all of these claims would make sense for her to make up because a lot of those people were pretty well-known, especially if she was a devout Mm -hmm. Catholic, except for the priest. It was very unlikely that she was ever aware of him. It's not like she had Googled in or anything like that. She would have seriously had to, like, really study. Research, Mm -hmm. yeah. So when she said that, he was among the six demons inside of her, that's when people were like, she's not playing, like, this isn't made up. And so they started asking her questions about this priest, and she was able to give them very specific facts about him that wouldn't even be discoverable unless you were high up in the faith. So the demons would also fight with each other, and they would use her body as, like, an instrument or, like, a portal to communicate with the world. She broke the bones and ripped the tendons in her knees from continually kneeling in prayer just because she was just so scared. Crippled from fear and exhaustion from 67 exorcisms and declining mental health, Annalise passed away at the age of 23 years old from malnutrition and dehydration. Annalise's parents and the two priests that held the exorcisms were charged with negligent homicide after her death. At the court hearings, they played the recordings of the exorcisms to justify deterioration. Her parents weren't sent to prison. The German court system felt like they had suffered enough just by losing their daughter. But the two priests were sentenced to six months in jail and three years of probation. Decades after her death, the movie The Exorcism of Emily Rose was written based on her life and death. Instead of the 1970s Germany, it's based on, like, current times in America. That they were, like, um, sentenced to jail for this and, like, negligent homicide after her Mm, death or whatever. Which totally, like, I agree with because she obviously needed to go to the hospital. And even if she was refusing treatment or refusing to go to the hospital, like, at that point when she was in that bad of condition, like, they should have made her. It's one of those things where it's, like, my story kind of dives into it. It's, like, is it really Mm -hmm. possession? Is possession real? Yes or no? People Mm -hmm. can debate that. If if it's truly not, are you negligent? Mm -hmm. Obviously, yes. And not caring for that person. 
if it's real, could a hospital have done anything? Who knows? But there's probably like 50, 50% of people will yeah. argue either side and say that if they had gone to a hospital, nothing would have helped. And if they had gone to a hospital, she would have been like mm-hmm. fixed or yeah, whatever. Yeah, it's, it's just really sad because she was, I mean, she was just 23 and this had been going on since she was 16. And she just got to a point where, I mean, her life wasn't really worth living anymore because she was not eating, not drinking. I'm pretty sure she's the person that if you type into Google, Mm -hmm. like, possession and look at the images, she's, like, the girl with, like, the short brown hair that looks Mm -hmm. completely, like, mummified in her bed. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's her and her, like, top lip is all, like, Mm -hmm. messed up or whatever. It's, like one of the top photos that comes yeah, up in look up possession. if you're interested in possessions or exorcisms she's a case that i definitely recommend there's a lot of material online i had to cut stuff out just for time's sake but there's so much mm-hmm. more to the story than like what i just told like and you can actually hear audio like i thought about trying to find some audio that we could plug into the episode you can that's like, hear her, and it sounds like the demonic voice from the exorcist. Like that's it doesn't sound human. It doesn't sound like a twenty three year old female. Like it sounds evil. Well, <laughs> on to my topic, I guess. After that, um, but back on to the topic of possession. So, um, my story takes place on April twenty first in sixteen fifty five. Well, this is when she was born. Elizabeth Knapp and she was born in Massachusetts so there's no like recordings of her anything this is way before that but it's a prominent time in history I guess you could say where like witchcraft and things like that are common um and it the part of Massachusetts that she was from was right outside of Salem like only an hour away so the 1600s Salem witch trials all that stuff that kind of all goes together with what I'm about to talk about So she was a daughter to James and Elizabeth um, and the granddaughter to two prominent men, William Knapp and John Warren. Um, So I wanted to go into a little bit more of a background on the Puritan part of her because I think it has an important role on why things like this happen to people who are Puritans because of like beliefs and things like that. The Puritans were English Protestants in the 16th and 17th centuries who sought to purify the Church of England of Roman Catholic practices, maintaining that the Church of England had not fully reformed and should become more Protestant. Puritanism played a significant role in English history. Now, when I started to think about this and her and where she was, I was thinking Puritans and witches. Like, why do you always hear the word witch and Puritan in, like, the same sentence in the 1600s? Like, why? So, I looked up, like, their laws, I guess. So, one, it was against the law to miss church. Two, men and women had to sit on the opposite sides of church when service was in session. People were expected to work hard and they were not allowed to express their own opinions or emotion. Individualism was frowned upon. You had to conform to society's norms or you would be shunned or avoided. The way Puritans dressed was controlled by the church. They wore dark, somber, modest outfits. Six, Puritans believed that all sins, even the most minor to us nowadays, should be punished. For example, if you were having a good time laughing or enjoying something, you were probably happy and it was considered a sin. Seven, 
all songs had to have a moral lesson in them, like religious hymns, or else they were sinful. Eight, they believed God would punish sinful behavior. Nine, if a friend or neighbor suffered a misfortune, like a sick child or a bad farming year, Puritans believed it was God's will and they would not help. The fuck? Ten, Puritans were true believers in both God and the devil. They believed that all humans were constant struggle between the powers of good and evil. And then this is where it kind of starts to tie in. Eleven, they believed that Satan would select the weakest individuals, women, children, and the elderly, to carry out his evil work. And twelve, those who were believed to follow Satan were automatically assumed to be witches, which is a crime punishable by death. I'm going to cut in for just a second because I have to get this, like, off my chest. But it's... I find it very interesting that you just said the number 11, they believe that Satan would select the weakest individuals who were, who were usually the women, children, elderly. But I find that interesting because we are talking about possessions. When you think of like a lot of like haunted houses where like a family moves in, it's almost always the father that ends up possessed. Like think about it. <laughs> It's always the man. I mean, come on. So. <laughs> men always try to blame it on other people. I mean, so. not wrong, but I just, I had to point that out because that's interesting. Go ahead. Proceed. <laughs> In the Puritan community, Satan recruited witches by offering those who were undergoing hardships, happiness, and material success for their allegiance. The devil gave witches creatures to aid them called familiars in return for the permission to use their shapes or specters to afflict others. Farmers would blame witches for crop failures or family illnesses, while the clergymen blamed witches for conspiring against Christianity. Belief in witchcraft was a common feature of Puritan religion conviction. Therefore, it is easier to understand how panic spread throughout Salem after the first accusations of witchcraft were made. So pretty much the reason why puritans and witches are all in one thing is because puritans believe that the devil conspired with witches and it's part of their rules so this story is about the groton witch she was a servant in the willard household when she started to show signs of possession the home belonging to reverend mr samuel willard he was a young well-off harvard educated minister whose life was full of promise she was a young woman with little schooling and little prospect of anything but service to others, either as a servant, a daughter, or a wife. He actually spent most of his time reading, writing, and traveling. She had never been taught to write, and she never really left Groton and spent her time sweeping his house, caring for his children, caring in his wood, keeping his fires burning, Also, he could continue to work in peace and comfort. Reverend Willard described in great t- detail the accounts of the episodes Elizabeth had. He says that Elizabeth would have sudden changes in her manner, where she would give abrupt shrieks and then burst into hysterical laughter when anyone would ask her what was wrong. Her symptoms began to intensify, and she would fall into violent fits. She would complain that she was being strangled and even attempted to throw herself into fire at one point. During her violent episodes, Elizabeth would yell and scream out, Money, money, sin, and misery, in other words of, of that nature. Willard also noted that at times, her tongue would be tied in a semicircle to the roof of her mouth. Why? It was because Elizabeth would try to actually remove her own tongue. (gasps) 
Yes. <laughs> so they actually tied her tongue up and like somehow tied it to the roof of her mouth. Don't know how they did that, but they did. In some of these fits, it would take up to six men to hold her down. Six men to hold down this little... The longer this went on, the worse things got. She would skip around the house yelling and howling and would, was said to look hideously scary. I think when they were saying hideously scary, they just meant that she looked probably like tired and just like... Um, like the picture I explained of, of Annalise. Mm-hmm. Um, her tongue would stretch to extraordinary lengths, and at one point it was said that demons would speak to her. Sometimes they would even talk through her without any movements of her lips. Sometimes even when her mouth was completely shut. Whenever the demon would speak through her, it would shout the worst speech at the reverend and would scream blasphemies against God. So it's kind of interesting because the more we talk about it, it's more like these demons are always talking to the reverend. They're just talking through Mm -hmm. Elizabeth. Mm. After three weeks of initial signs of distress, Elizabeth said that the devil had appeared to her. Because of her fits she had been having, a lot of people were blaming her to be a witch. But after she had told Willard that it was the devil, he truly believed she wasn't a witch and that this was a bigger problem. So there's a story that happens and it's really confusing. I think of just how it was written. I mean, the story is from like the 1600s, so I'm sure it was written in like different English, I guess you could say. So the story goes that this woman was talking to Elizabeth and it was actually the devil inside and the woman tried to out her to a whole bunch of people and it's just really really confusing I don't really know but apparently it's really important because finally Elizabeth decided to tell everyone that she believed she had been fooled by this woman and that the woman was actually Satan who she had been like hanging around she eventually stopped complaining that the woman had anything to do with whatever was going on in her life because she realized that Satan was actually just showing himself as a woman, if that makes sense. He was coming to her in the looks of a woman. Unfortunately, because people believed more in witches than in possession, Elizabeth was pressured to reveal what was, quote, the real reason for her fits. She said that the devil had appeared to her many times over a number of years, and he had offered to make her a witch. He told her he would give her money, silks, and fine clothes. She said that the more frequent she worked for the reverend, the more the devil would visit her. She said she had been tempted by Satan to murder her parents, her neighbors, and the reverend's children, and then kill herself. Her fits became more intense, and she would become confused as to what was happening. She sometimes would be violent, and other times would be almost in like a trance state. During the second month of her being possessed, she told Willard that she had made everything up, that the devil wasn't real, that nothing had happened. It was just a fantasy of hers that she wanted to play out, and she had just been having dreams. Willard, though, felt that this was a trick and did not believe her and pushed for the truth. And once again, she returned to her original story of that she had agreed to become a witch and want to practice witchcraft, and the devil would help her. The devil and Elizabeth took over completely. The devil made his presence known by drawing her tongue out of her mouth and contorting her body in ways he didn't think was possible. He would speak vocally through her, and when Willard would enter the room while this was happening, Satan turned his rage to him, calling him a great rogue, and saying that Willard lied to people. Willard fought back, challenging the devil to prove what he was actually saying, and the devil denied he was Satan and said he was just a little boy and Nap was his pretty little girl. When Willard said through God's grace that he hated him, Satan responded back, 
you better love me. It makes me think because he's like so like triggered by Willard that maybe Willard was like actually like a fucked up dude. Mm-hmm. And, like he's this reverend, but he's actually not a good reverend and Satan knows everything. So he like knows that he's like lying to these people and that's why he's targeting him. Yeah, I think also too part of it is if possession is a thing and like everybody like the common person like around the person that's possessed they're still gonna be talking to that person but when you bring in a priest or you bring in a reverend they're gonna be talking to whatever is possessing that person Mm -hmm. so the dialogue changes and they're being spoken to and i think that's why they lash out more when like priests and reverends and etc get involved because they're actually being addressed yep in his final remarks, Willard cast Knapp's behavior in terms of the Puritan view of possession. Although reluctant to pass authoritative judgment on what he had witnessed for the preceding two and a half months, he clearly believed that Knapp's distemper was both real and diabolical and that the devil was actually present within her. To support his belief, he pointed out the enormous strength of Knapp's fits and that it was beyond the force of dissimulation. That the healthiness of her body when she was not having convulsions argued anything against natural explanation and that when the voice spoke within her her mouth and vocal cords did not move and her throat was swelled to the size of a fist as further evidence that satan spoke through her he told his readers that knapp had never expressed such hostility to him on the contrary both before and after being thus taken she had always been observed to speak respectfully concerning him he also noted that the words uttered to him were attacks Knapp said the devil had suggested to her during his temptation of her, and that Knapp had freely acknowledged that the devil wanted to appear to her in the house of God and divert her mind and charge her that she would not give ear to what the black-coated rogue spoke. Despite Willard's fears, Knapp never became a witch. She married Samuel Scripture and lived out her life as a befitted and good Puritan wife and mother. She was so successful in this and was victorious in a model of how to overcome things. She almost completely disappears from public records after 1673. So pretty much after all this happened, she, I guess you could say in no sense, went into hiding and just kind of pieced out from everything and you never see her in writing again after the whole possession. So when we were talking about Hillary's story, we kind of touched base about like how this how possession could possibly be like an illness that someone has Mm -hmm. and is it considered negligent if you ignore what's going on and just say this is a possession so in regards to elizabeth modern medicine has cast an interesting light on part of the story it appears that now elizabeth most likely was afflicted with adult onset korea also known as Huntington's disease, a rare dominant genetic disorder that takes its name from the Greek word for dancer. Eight people in every 100,000 in Europe and North America actually suffer from it. The disease causes a selective deterioration of certain movement-related structures deep inside the brain. The symptoms of the disease, which may first appear around puberty, include excessive, spontaneous, irregular movements of the limb, that flow from one part of the body to the other that worsen over time, sometimes leading to neurological deterioration, including apathy, irritability, memory loss, manic depression, and schizophrenia. Sleep is usually the one time when a cork is not vulnerable to fits. There is currently no cure, but antipsychotic medications may lessen the symptoms. Um, and because of the people who have this, they've been called anything from saints to witches since the 16th century. 
I feel like that is, uh, that it definitely makes sense. And I can get behind that. And I am very much of the opinion if you think that you have a loved one that is possessed, just go ahead and take them to the hospital first. Mm-hmm. And then, like, if you need to have an exorcism, just do it in the hospital room, like, where yep. there's medical staff nearby. Yeah. But I will say this disease does align with a lot of what you said with her, but it doesn't compensate for her like superhuman strength yeah that's like the weird thing is it like okay you could think of it as like adrenaline like when Mm -hmm. this is happening is there an adrenaline adrenaline rage scene like you've heard those stories about like mothers becoming superheroes when their child's in danger and like lifting cars off with their children because of adrenaline it's like is that why they have like all of a sudden like superhuman strength i think also when hillary and i are talking about this and saying like take them to a hospital first we're not like completely saying like we don't believe in possession possession can definitely be real we're just saying like there are actual medical scientific reasons for some of these things and sometimes it's just a fucking demon (laughs) but take care of your family if it happens but also i'd rather be at a hospital facing a demon than i would be like yeah because then you're gonna end up like poor annalise who just died from just not Literally being cared for. Not being cared for. Like, not eating, not being able to move. It's really sad. Yeah, it is really sad. It's all really sad. <laughs> <sighs> I feel like this episode was so mundane. Like, yeah, we're going to talk about people who kind of went off their rockers a little bit. <laughs> and it's kind of not something you can laugh at. Also, it's possession, which is kind of scary because, like, demons and it could happen to literally anybody and like what if you offend a demon and they're like fuck you're next megan mm-hmm. on my list see mm-hmm. you soon yeah we're really putting our neck out there with this episode no. <laughs> 666 linda listen, blair linda. listen linda listen linda my grandma actually asked my mom have you shaved her head yet <laughs> thank you grandma love you too they wonder why i'm so weird today that's the reason i was like five i mean yeah exorcist came out in like the 70s so i'm sure i watched it when i was like five even though i probably shouldn't have which is probably why i'm terrified of crap today i don't think that i was allowed to watch the exorcist have we talked about the first scary movies we've ever watched before Mine was Friday the 13th, and we just talked about that a couple episodes ago. Oh, I think we did. Did I tell you that mine was Leprechaun? It scared the living fucking daylights out of me. Uh, That movie still scares the living fucking daylights out of me. The only good thing about that movie movie. is freaking Jennifer Aniston. Yeah. Thank you for giving us Jennifer Aniston. But Um, other than that, go to hell. Terrifying. I was at a babysitter's house. Fun fact, this babysitter, I wonder if they're listening. Um, Probably not. But this babysitter had, their whole living room was lined with, like, cabinets of, like, glass cabinets full of freaking dolls, like, porcelain Mm. dolls. And as a kid, I collected porcelain dolls, too. So I didn't think anything of it. I was like, that's cool. Now, now, I'm like, what the fuck, Megan? (laughs) So we would go over to our babysitter's house, and she'd watch us for, like, the night, and we'd fall asleep there. And then my mom would come and get us, like, kind of, like, late. I'm sure my mom's like out partying just kidding maybe not 
Um, so my mom would come pick us up and it would be like 4 a.m. when my mom would come and get us. And so we'd fall asleep in the living room. That's like where we always went to sleep. Mm-hmm. And one night we fell asleep with the TV on like we always did. But for some reason, the station we were on, don't know what we were watching, decided let's play Leprechaun at like 3 a.m., which is like the devil's hour. So, <laughs> hello. So, little me did not know that. But now I'm putting it all together and I'm like, fuck, maybe Satan was talking to me. <laughs> I was like, hey. <laughs> so I woke up to Jennifer Aniston like running in a field, I think, screaming and this little fucking leprechaun thing chasing after her. And at least that's what my memory remembers. But I don't know if that's actually what happens in the movie. It's very likely that that happens in the movie multiple times. <laughs> when i picture it now i'm like that was so lame because i just picture this like little leprechaun head like popping over like the little no. like, field have of, you like, seen grass. a picture of that leprechaun yes he's terrifying and i woke up at 3 a.m to this little movie playing and all these porcelain dolls like staring at me and i was like fuck this shit i'm never staying here again and i told my mom i don't want to stay there again and i never stayed there again and those four <laughs> poor babysitters they probably thought that i like hated them and it wasn't them it was the fucking movie that was playing so if you're listening i'm sorry it wasn't you it was a leprechaun well (laughs) sorry tangent (laughs) yes so guys if you have a moment please go and go to our instagram more booze please give us a follow um also Mm -hmm. if you're listening to us on apple podcasts go ahead and leave us a review because if you leave us a review you get on the charts in the future possibly maybe the more reviews the higher we go yeah and if you have any scary stories of your own or you've ever been possessed or you've ever conducted an exorcism because i'm actually an ordained minister i i think you know that so i can (laughs) technically legally hold exorcisms. so if you have done this and you would like to tell us your experience, go ahead. I don't think any demons are going to write into us, <laughs> Hillary. <laughs> Shoot us an email at morebooseplease, P-L-Z, at gmail.com. And you can check us out on Patreon. And yeah, that's what I was going to say. Lastly, Patreon, patreon.com slash morebooseplease. There's mm-hmm. a lot of good perks in there. More to come. And that's it. Tune in for our next episode of... 13 days of Halloween.